Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor Tim Barone at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. See in our scripture reading this beautiful scene, um, Jesus reconciling with Peter after his death and his resurrection. John, the apostle, the one that Jesus loved, was the first one to figure it out. And he said to Peter, it is the Lord. So Peter knew in his heart that it was the risen Jesus. And so he didn't even wait for the boat to come to the shore. Instead, he just put on his cloak and jumped in the water as if that made any sense. And he swam as hard as he could, a hundred yards, the scriptures say, until he stood in front of the risen Jesus. Jesus was waiting for them and was their host. He had made a fresh breakfast on the beach, glowing coals, roasted fish. I bet it smelled divine. Nothing could be more welcome after a long night of failing to catch anything. Jesus' generosity his constant service to his disciples was unbearably kind. He and the disciples sat and ate together in the quiet morning moments, watching the sunrise paint the water of the lake pink and gold as the light chased the darkness away. But then Jesus spoke to Peter using his old name, the name before he had called him to be a disciple. Simon, son of John. Peter's stomach turned, nervous energy coursed through him, and something inside him told him to run away. But he stayed, and he forced himself to meet Jesus' eyes, those glorious eyes, full of grace and truth. Our God is a reconciling God. He has reconciled the world to himself through the blood of Jesus, and he calls us to be people who reconcile to him and to each other as well. Throughout this past Lent season, we've been focusing on reconciliation, how we might share the forgiveness of God with those people around us that have hurt us and have hurt and that we have hurt. God calls us to be a people of truth, who confess our sins to one another so that we can be healed, who speak the truth in love to someone else when they have harmed us. He calls us to forgive each other as we have been forgiven. I pray that this has been useful in your life, and I pray that you have taken this calling seriously to reconcile. I certainly have, as the Spirit has stirred things in me. One thing I've found is that this is pretty difficult We don't like admitting when we have been hurt by other people, do we? Telling them that we're vulnerable. We don't like spilling our guts and confessing, I was wrong. We don't like either of those scenarios. And so, so often we find we don't have the emotional intelligence to navigate the difficulties of reconciliation. And yet God calls us to it. But God does not call us to something that the Lord Jesus didn't also fulfill and do as well. 
And so that's what we see in this moment with Peter and Jesus. Jesus reconciling himself to Peter and restoring a fallen brother who had sinned against him. Of course, Peter had sinned grievously against Jesus, and we all know this story pretty well. And you might think, as I have, why do the Gospels spend so much time on Peter? We get to see him more than any other disciple. We get to see his mistakes. Uh, We get to zoom in on his life, on his denial of Jesus. And then we get this story at the end of the Gospels. The rest of the disciples don't get this kind of a story, just with Peter focused on him. I think it's because we know that Peter is like us. That God wants Peter's story to be like your story. A story where you are reconciled to the living God through Jesus. That you go through this process of being reconciled to him. Of course, Jesus had predicted that Peter would deny him. He told the disciples, every one of you is going to leave me when they come and arrest me. But Peter said, no, God, no, Jesus, not me. I'm not going to do it. Even if all of these other disciples, these losers, even if they desert you, I will never desert you. Jesus told him painfully, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. And Peter said emphatically, no, even if I have to go to death with you, I will not deny you. But Jesus knew, in fact, that he would. How did he know that? Well, like you, Jesus knows Peter's heart. Just as Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knew about Peter that Peter really didn't understand the kingdom of God that he was really in it for his own earthly glory, that as soon as it got too difficult or too costly, Peter would seek to preserve his life. That Peter didn't want to actually follow Jesus and be a servant to all humanity. He wanted to be the greatest. And so if anything threatened that picture of where he thought things were going, he would flee. And so it, too, is often of us. When things get too difficult or too costly or too inconvenient, that we quickly turn away from the Lord, too. Peter had promised to defend the Lord to death, but he ran away like a coward. Peter had been questioned three times. Do you know Jesus? Are you his disciple? Do you love him? Do you care for him? Is he a part of your life? And Peter three times said, I don't know him. I don't care about him. He has nothing to do with me. And there's this poignant moment in the Gospel of Luke that really zooms in that as soon as Peter said these words and the rooster crowed, it says that Jesus, who was on trial for his execution, looked and looked at Peter, met his eyes, those eyes that know all things, those eyes that know the heart. And this grieved Peter deeply as he figured out he had harmed his Lord, his friend, his Savior. It says that he went out and wept bitterly. 
This is an important moment, I think, for us, and it helps us to understand our relationship with God. I think we can be lured into thinking that when we sin or when we deny Jesus with our life in one way or another, that we're just kind of sinning against the cosmic universe. You know, this is kind of the Eastern philosophies, the Eastern theologies, that God is everything. And so if you sin, if you make a mistake, you're just kind of throwing it out into the cosmic machine and you might get some bad karma coming back at you. Or in the Western world, we tend to think about God as a far-off watchmaker. He's not really involved in worldly affairs. He's more like the highest set of good principles that we should aim at. And so if you transgress against those principles, it's just principles. And the truth is that God is a person. And so when we sin in our lives, we sin against a person. We hurt someone's heart. We wound their soul. When we deny Jesus in our lives, we're denying a person. We need to be reconciled with him. Peter had broken Jesus' heart. Maybe you have done the same. I know that I have. In those honest moments, I can see where I deny Jesus, where I betray him with my life, where I desperately want him to fit into my plans and not to be a part of his eternal kingdom. Maybe you feel the same way too. Maybe you have been called into his kingdom. You have been washed by the water. You have been adopted into his life but you've turned your back on his word and promises. You've rejected him. You found yourself far from his mercy. Maybe like Peter and like Judas, you try to use Jesus for earthly gain in an earthly kingdom because you want Jesus to fit into your plans too, to help you to get what you want. And so if anything threatens what you want, you're out. Maybe you have broken your vows to walk with him. Even unto death, we say. But we get lazy. We get apathetic. We're busy. We're tired. Maybe you have failed to teach your children his ways. Because you care more about their earthly success than their eternal salvation. Maybe you've abandoned his ways because your girlfriend doesn't get it, because your boyfriend doesn't understand, and because you like the feeling of affection that you get from them more than you love the Lord who laid down his life for you. It's an easy decision. Maybe you have been silent when you should speak boldly. You have closed your mouth when you should proclaim You have as well said, I don't really know him. He doesn't really mean that much to me because his teachings find offense in your family or your friends. Why does the gospel present this story to us so often, so much? It's because this is our story. It's the story of Christians who are reconciled to their living God. It's the story of those who easily deny and betray their Lord Jesus Christ. 
But then they are sought out, and then they are reconciled. It's the story that reveals to us that we're not as strong as we once thought we were, and that we can succumb even as Peter did. We might think that the best way to deal with this reality in our lives is to ghost Jesus. Certainly, that's what we do in our time. We just say, well, let's just make, put some distance between me and Jesus. I'll just ignore him for a while. Maybe it'll go away. I'll just pretend like he doesn't exist and I never had anything to do with him or his church. Or we could, in anger, burn our bridges to the ground, becoming angry with the church, becoming angry with the teachings of God, becoming angry with our brothers and sisters, rejecting Jesus altogether. Certainly there are many stories in the scripture that go that way. You know some of them. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he gathered a great crowd. But then he began to teach them that he was the bread that came down from heaven and that in his body and in his blood was life. And the people thought, this is a hard teaching, and they all left. Or those religious leaders, those Jewish leaders that hated Jesus's words, hated his truth, they spent all of their time trying to kill him. And even when he was resurrected, they covered up that story, betraying the very truth of what happened and betraying the truth itself. Or there's a story of Judas, who like Peter, wanted Jesus to be a king that he could be proud of, wanted to ride his tailcoats to the top, and when that didn't happen, he betrayed him for silver. Judas never reconciled with Jesus. He fell into despair. He went out and hung himself. There's all kinds of these stories in the scriptures, but that is not the story for you. The story for you is the story of Peter, the story of God reconciling you to himself through the blood of Jesus. And that's why we hear this story today. In this story, we see how God makes his enemies into friends again. You know, like Peter knew, that Jesus had been crucified and dead, but now he is risen from the grave. You know that this fact changes everything. You know now that there is a kingdom that can never be snatched away from your hands. That there is a kingdom where people no longer succumb to cancer. That there is a kingdom where people are no longer harassed by their sins. There is a kingdom where God raises the dead and gives eternal life. You see it in the risen body of Jesus. You see it paid for in his cross. Jesus has opened up the kingdom of heaven to you. And he calls you to follow him into it. And nothing that this sinful world can offer to you is as valuable as that. When Peter knew this, he lost his fear. When Peter saw this, he was once again filled with courage, and so he went to meet with the Lord. You know, it's amazing 
It seems like Jesus orchestrated this entire thing just for Peter. The day of the resurrection, when the angels were proclaiming to the women that Jesus was raised from the dead, they told them, go and tell the disciples and Peter, Lord, I'm not worthy. Depart from me, I'm a sinner. The same thing happened this day. But now Jesus swam to him, knowing his Lord would forgive him and reconcile with him. Jesus had orchestrated this whole moment for him, and after a quiet breakfast, that moment came. Jesus questioned him, do you love me more than these? Remember what Peter said? Yeah, Lord, even if all of these losers reject you, I'm never going to leave your side. That wasn't true. Jesus addresses Peter's pride here, his overestimation of his strength. Peter, do you really love me more than these? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus asks him again, but this time with no comparison, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, yes, you know that I love you. And Jesus says a third time, Peter, do you love me? And this, once again, pierced Peter's heart because there could be no doubt that Jesus was putting his hands right on the place of pain and sin. That painful moment where Peter had denied him three times, Jesus had restored him three times. Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Jesus was doing exactly what he told the disciples to do in Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. Not only was Peter forgiven of all of his sins, but he was also reinstated as an apostle. This terrible sin that he had done would not interfere with the calling that God had placed on his life. And then Jesus actually made another prediction about Peter. Not that he would deny him again, but rather that he would be led to his own death while proclaiming the truth. And this is what Peter did. He never denied the Lord Jesus again. Instead, he boldly proclaimed his death and resurrection to the world. And tradition tells us, historical witness tells us that he indeed was led to where he did not want to go, as Jesus predicted, and he was crucified upside down under Emperor Nero. He had requested this because he didn't feel he was worthy to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was. Jesus, uh, Peter had went from being a coward, a fair-weather friend, one who easily denied his friend and his king, to one who boldly proclaimed the truth, even at his own peril. And what stood in between those two versions of Peter was the death and resurrection of Jesus and the forgiveness that Jesus gave to him. What if, just like God had orchestrated this whole event for Peter's reconciliation, what if he has orchestrated your life in the same way? What if he is using all things, good and bad, your sorrows, your apathy, your anger, your failures, 
your successes, your courage, and your cowardliness. All things in your life, good and bad, disease and health, pain and sorrows, to bring you to moments like this, where Jesus looks you in the eye and reconciles with you. We can say with certainty that that's exactly what God is doing in your life. Romans 8 says that God is working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That means he is working in all things to keep you in the faith, to bring you into truth and reconciliation so that you will not be lost eternally, but have eternal life with the risen Christ. This is he, he's doing in your life day in and day out. He's revealing his truth to you. He's showing to you his mercy and his love. He's sending preachers into your life so that in your ears you hear the good news, so that you can see your sin and turn from it. He continually hosts a table for you so that you can know his mercy and kindness, so that he can look you in the eyes, seeing all of your sins, seeing all of your denials, and he can say to you, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.